0: for your ministry and music. Please turn with me to our scripture reading for this morning, which can be found in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Again, that's Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you, there are some found under your pews, and the page number for this passage is 1207. Again, Romans chapter 15, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 7. Beginning at verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is the word of God.
1: Usually when we think of a person being a people pleaser, it brings negative connotations to mind. In fact, elsewhere the scripture warns against being a people pleaser. For example, Ephesians chapter six, verse six states, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So there the Admonition is to be serving God as opposed to wanting the praise and uh, approval of mankind. However, this morning, we are going to consider the positive aspects of being a people pleaser. The key verse is Romans chapter 15, verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. This morning's message has a target group. It is a message not for everyone. It is a message for the spiritually mature and strong. Notice verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Which teaches us that this is going to be a hard and difficult Command of God to fulfill. This is not for the weak or faint in heart. This is not for the spiritually immature or those that are spiritually sick. But those that are strong, that are mature, are to fulfill this obligation, this duty of pleasing others rather than ourselves. This morning I have eight distinct. Uh, Points that are taken from this uh, particular text regarding being a people pleaser. Each point is directly related to the preceding point, though the relationships to each other are not exactly the same from point to point. Therefore, in order for you to stay with me, I've decided to employ an uh, alliterative outline. So each point begins with the letter A. And there are eight. And uh, if you are successful this morning, you'll end up with eight points. And you can kind of grade your listening abilities on uh, your ability to to, uh, stay with me. But we want to look at eight points about being a people pleaser. The first is the appropriateness of being a people pleaser. The appropriateness of being a people pleaser. Not only is it appropriate to be a people pleaser, but it's the duty to be a people pleaser. Notice verse 1 of chapter 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. So here's the appropriateness. There is a duty. There's an obligation. There is an, an indebtedness, if you will, that we are people pleasers. We might ask, well, where does that indebtedness originate? The answer is, it is the law of God. It is the law of God. For we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. we find out later in this text. In Romans 13, 8, earlier, it said, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So the law requires it of us. We have a duty and obligation as a Christian to be living in keeping with God's moral law. So God's moral law teaches us that we need to be people pleasers. And then in being a people pleaser, we owe it not only to God's moral law, but to God himself of whom we have to give account in Romans chapter 14, 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So it's our God-given responsibility to be a people-pleaser. Number two, the analysis of a people-pleaser. What does it mean uh, in context to be a people-pleaser? The analysis. Well, it is to to carry a burden. If you look at verse 1, It says, we who are strong have an obligation to do what? To bear with the failings of the weak. To carry a burden. The burden is what is described in verse 1 in the ESV as the failings of the weak. Uh, the, The word failings literally is weaknesses, the weaknesses of the weak. Or we could translate it as the illnesses of the weak. And uh, I think that that might be a a good uh, way of translating this particular verse. It's the, the problems, it's the symptoms that are associated with being spiritually weak. And here, being spiritually weak, the emphasis is on being spiritually sick, right? People who are not conducting themselves in keeping with, spiritual maturity, uh, spiritual development. Christians who are in some way coming short in their living for the Lord Jesus Christ. They are failing in some way. So therefore, it requires a sacrifice on our part because we're dealing with symptoms that are unpleasant. They have problems. And so their responses to us are oftentimes inappropriate. We are to receive one another. The greater context of this is we're to see, receive one another, but not to doubtful disputations. We're not to be arguing and quarrel, quarrel. We're not to be judgmental. We saw in weeks past, well, we encounter people that are quarrelsome. We encounter people that are judgmental. We encounter people that that find fault with us. We encounter people that are not the easiest people in the world to get along with, even though they are believers. And so we are called upon to bear with them. We're called upon to put up with these symptoms of their spiritual sickness, of not being what they ought to be. Therefore, we are to bear with these failings of the weak. <clears throat> that is, putting up with something that is unpleasant for whatever reason. I have a great admiration for, for nurses who care for the physically sick. Oftentimes, they are in very unpleasant circumstances, uh, cleaning up after people, You know, whether it be the diarrhea or the vomiting, and uh, people are short-tempered when they're not feeling well. Uh, People are not on their best behaviors. They don't respond in the best way. They're irritable. They're they're upset. And you don't need all the descriptions. But the point is, I appreciate the patience of nurses that have to deal with people that are physically sick. In like-mindedness, we have to have patience in dealing with people that are spiritually sick. Uh, They have the diarrhea of the mouth. Uh, They spew out things that are inappropriate, that are uh, unhelpful, that are repulsive, that are repugnant to us, and yet we have to bear with them, all with the intent of making them better. Uh, Thirdly, the accommodations of being a people pleaser the accommodations it is not easy to please other people notice at the end of verse 1 it says we are who are strong have an obligation to bear with the feelings of the weak and now this phrase and not to please ourselves to please has the uh, the force to accommodate uh, to do those things which are pleasing to others which are not necessarily pleasurable to us. That which other people enjoy, but we may not enjoy de- doing. The goal is to cause people to take pleasure in their being around us. Uh, we are to be an oasis. We are to be this welcoming body. Uh, we are to be uh, these, this person that welcomes this un lovable person in a lovable way. And as I say, it's not easy to please others. Why not? Well, first, it requires a sacrificial spirit on our part. For notice, it says at the end of verse one, not to please ourselves, right? It is not necessarily gratifying to always have to put up with other people's problems. to put up with other people 's shortcomings, um, it requires a measure of sacrifice on our part. It is not what would come naturally to us, and why it comes in this larger, broader issue of presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service, and be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind, not being conformed to this world, not fitting into the mold of people round about us. Most people look out for themselves. Most people do those things which they find to be pleasurable. You won't find this to be pleasurable. You aren't gonna go home and say, wow, this was great today. I had the opportunity to sacrifice and put up with all this grief. No, it's, it's a hardship. It's, it's a difficulty. It requires commitment. It requires intentionality. It's not going to come naturally. It isn't going to be our normative response. This is out of a spiritual maturity. There is a quote that originated with John Lingate and made famous by Abraham Lincoln, which states, "You can please all the people, all, you, <coughs> you can please, all the people, some of the time, you can please all <coughs> some of the people, all the time." but you cannot please all the people all the time. It's an upward battle in order to be a people pleaser. And as I say, it requires a great degree of intentionality. In Romans chapter 12, it says bless them who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. It is hard to practice restraint of when somebody is cursing you, when somebody spits in your face. I don't know if you ever had that. I actually encountered on one occasion when someone got so angry with me they spit in my face. It, it, it takes restraint when somebody spits in your face not to lash out, uh, not to want to retaliate, uh, but to simply ignore it and continue on. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Weep with those that weep, to have that emotional flexibility, (laughs) to be able to encounter different situations. Uh, That is something that is so uh, important for us to keep in mind in the life of the church. We walk in and, you know, there's approximately 300 people here and everyone is experiencing something different. Uh, Their life, they're, they're going through hardships. Someone has just experienced a death. Someone else has just found out that they're pregnant. You know, some people come with great joy. Some people come with great sadness. And to be able to have that sensitivity of spirit that you can turn on a dime and look at somebody who's rejoicing and rejoice with them and right at the very next moment to be able to weep with those that are are weeping and be sensitive to their sense of loss. It's so easy to be self-engrossed and only think about our own situation, our own experience, our own joys, our own hardships, and how people are responding to us. Are they being supportive? Are they being understanding? It's easy to look at life through our own eyes. That's why it's saying not pleasing yourself. Not being self absorbed, but absorbed with other people. And being able, even in the midst of our sorrow, to be able to rejoice with others. Or in our rejoicing, to be able to weep with others. So that we are actually entering into their emotional state, their their spiritual state. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own spirit. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. All of that leads up to this particular section of being a people pleaser. Number four, the aim of being a people pleaser. We are to please others for their own good. Notice verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up, for his good to build him up. As I said, most oftentimes the idea of being a people pleaser has a negative connotation. And it has a negative connotation for all too often the aim or the goal of the people pleaser is one's own advancement in some way. Uh, People pleasers tend to be manipulative. They tend to be wanting to get something from others and thus become people pleasers in order to gain an advantage, in order to manipulate someone in praising us or in doing us a favor or in some way bettering our own life. It's in that sense that Ephesians 6 says that we're not to be pleasers of men, but we're to be pleasers of God. We're to be looking for God's favor, God's advancement, God's help and protection, rather than that of mankind. So this is quite unique, where the idea is not for personal gain or advancement, but for their gain, for their advancement, for their well-being. You're actually looking out for them. And you're trying to do what is going to be most helpful in their spiritual growth and advancement. You want them to feel welcome. You want them to listen to what you have to say. You want to be able to minister to others. Uh, you don't want to be a turnoff. You don't want to be an obstacle for people's spiritual growth and well-being. The gospel is an affront, uh, but we don't have to be an affront. Um, We don't have to make people's lives more miserable or difficult than what they already are. So the aim in this instance is to be a benefit to them and not to ourselves. Elsewhere, Paul speaks of pleasing others to aid in their salvation 1 Corinthians 10:33 Just as I try to please everyone everything I do not seeking my own advantage but that of many that they may be saved So in 1 Corinthians Paul's talking about a, being a people pleaser in order to save people here Paul is talking about being a people pleaser not in order for them to be saved but for them to grow in their grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ for their spiritual advancement so that they would move to being spiritually mature and that they would move to being this strong individual for their edification. There are two purpose clauses, actually, in this verse. Uh, And uh, the second is an explanation of the first. That is, what Paul call, calls for in verse two is their good. And the good that he is referring to is defined by building them up, by edifying them, by causing them to be stronger, by helping them over their weakness, by leading them into spiritual maturity, and helping them go beyond their sinful practices, or lack of appropriate response as far as that which brings honor and glory to God. You want to help them. You want to mature them. You, you want to take into consideration that what they are doing is not, not right, but we put up with it in order to minister or help them. It's Striking in this this passage, that there's no statement about rebuke here. There's there's no statement about correction at this particular point. Not that there is never a case for correction, or that there isn't ever a case for rebuke, but that's not the the emphasis of this passage, but rather it's giving people the time. It's talking about setting people up. It's about laying a foundation a relationship that will be open to rebuke, that will be open for instruction over a period of time. It's talking about establishing a relationship with someone so that eventually they are ready to hear you. Or maybe not even hear you, but be willing to hear the Word of God so that you keep them in the ballpark, if you were. You you keep them in the pew. You keep them in coming and then hopefully As they sit under the teaching of the word of God, God's word is going to be effectual in their life. God's word is going to convict them. The spirit of God is going to mature them and enable them. So we are just trying to keep them under the the teaching, under the instruction of the word of God by making them feel welcome and sacrificing in order to do that. Fifthly, the archetype of a people pleaser. Uh, the supreme example, the archetype. And of course, that's Christ, verse 3. For Christ did not please himself. We, we are following Christ's example. Uh, we are doing what Jesus did. Here is the supreme nature of the appropriateness and also the supreme example of spiritual health And maturity. Jesus did not please himself. And notice what it then goes on to say. Uh, First, the cross of Christ is the supreme example of one who thought not of his own pleasure, but rather the benefit that he brought to others. Verse 3 For Christ did not please himself, but as is written, The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So the reproaches are the insults, the mockery, the disgrace, the ridicule, the scorn, the separation. All describing that which our sins merit, deserve, and have as a natural consequences. Our sin brings shame. Our sin brings alienation. Our sin brings rebuke. Our sin brings punishment. And all of that, Jesus took upon himself. He absorbed our ridicule. He absorbed our mockery. He absorbed our disgrace. And what is striking, of course, in the life of Jesus is that The very people that he is dying to save are the very people that are mocking him, that are ridiculing him, that are finding fault with him. If you're the Christ, come down from there. They they holler at the cross. Um, The thieves on the cross, both of them, started off ridiculing and mocking Jesus. And then ultimately, the one thief repents and says, we deserve these things. He does not. The point is that Jesus was long-suffering towards those that, that ridiculed and mocked him. Not only did he bear our reproaches in the sense that, that he took our sins upon himself, but he bore our reproaches in the sense that Peter says that when he reviled, he reviled not again. He bore our reproaches when he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, all right? so. A lot of times it means that we have to to overlook the sinful behavior of others towards us in order to try to help them in being a benefit to them. That, That just as Jesus acted in a way in which it wasn't necessarily appreciated, we are to act in a way that even when other people don't appreciate in the context, it's people who are finding fault with us. It's people who are condemning us. It's people who are judging us, and those very people that are judging us were to put up with, in order to ultimately be a spiritual help to them. Tain easy. That's why it's the spiritually mature and strong that Jesus, uh, excuse me, that this passage speaks to. The one who is deserving of praise, honor, and glory is the Lord Jesus. And yet that sacrifice was not appreciated, even by his disciples. At best, the disciples were indifferent to all that Jesus was going through. Remember that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he said to his disciples, my soul is Agonizing even to the point of death. And he said to his disciples, pray with me. And what did they do? They slept. They were indifferent to Jesus' suffering. They were indifferent to his hardship. You know, many people do not appreciate the sacrifices that you make in order to minister to them. People tend to be greedy. Greedy. People tend to be self-absorbed. People tend to be self-centered. And you may show many acts of kindness only to meet with, (laughs) is that all you can do? (laughs) And people have greater expectations. They want even more acts of kindness. They want even more demonstrations of charity. That even when you are doing the right thing, they're finding fault because you're not doing enough in their estimation. Understand that that's the way it is. Understand that that's the life that we've been called to. Understand that we're going to encounter that on a regular basis. So we have to be spiritually strong. Next, six, the attributes that are necessary for being a people pleaser. What does it take to be a people pleaser? Our text speaks of two things repeatedly. The first is endurance. Endurance. Look at Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days is written for our instruction, that through endurance, and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Romans 15, 5. May the God of endurance. So endurance is key to being a people pleaser. Endurance has the aspect of remaining, uh, to abide under is the most literal translation, which means you stay committed to. (laughs) You continue to place yourself in this situation of being taken advantage of. You endure, you put up with, and you continue to put up with, and you continue continuing on. You don't give up, you don't quit. You don't just throw in a towel and say, I've had enough. I've, I've done this five times now, and this person continues to act this way. Or, I've responded to this person a week, or a month, or a year, or two years, or a lifetime. And you finally say, I'm fed up, endurance. Endurance. Hang in there. Don't quit. It's the right thing to do. Again, it takes spiritual maturity. Endurance. The second thing that it takes is encouragement. Encouragement. Notice... Verse 4. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement. Romans 15, 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to love and such, live in such harmony with one endurance. So it takes endurance and it takes encouragement. There needs to be reinforcement. This teaches us that We are prone to discouragement. We are prone to grow weary in well-doing. We are prone to want to give up. There is a battle that goes on even for the most mature and spiritual individual that is by our own human flesh just naturally opposed to this kind of ultimate uh, sacrifice. I say guardedly even Jesus who prayed that it was possible let this cup pass from me. But knowing that it was not, he said, my, not my will but yours be done. Uh, there's going to be an inward battle that goes on uh, of discouragement. Uh, nobody likes to be uh, the target of Negative stuff. Nobody likes to be insulted. Nobody enjoys, you know, somebody ranting and raving. Nobody likes somebody else's judgmental spirit coming down upon us and finding fault for what we have done when what we've done is right. This passage is not easy. It's talking about maintaining peace and unity in the life of a church. Uh, This is hard stuff. So you need encouragement. And the encouragement, which brings us to number seven, the assistance of being a people pleaser. The assistance. There are two that are listed. First is the scriptures. 15:4. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So the scriptures are this source of encouragement and endurance. The scriptures, going back to the word of God, reminding ourselves this is what God says we must do. This is God's promise to us to be reinforced in a behavioral style that is so different from the world that is round about us. Where... Um, you know, the, the disciples asked Jesus when he says that they are to forgive others. They said, how many times should I forgive? Seven times. He said, 70 times seven. And that just doesn't just simply mean 490 times. And when, uh, you know, the 490th time comes, okay, now I can finally not forgive. No, he's just saying, basically, you've got to always forgive. Do you know what the very next verse is? Increase our faith. Increase our faith. It's not an easy thing to do. And one of the things that we have to have faith in is God's working in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to have faith that God is going to use this right response that we're going to have to bring about that person's spiritual growth and maturity. We have to have confidence that our almighty God is at work. His spirit is able to subdue the most hard spirit, the most hardened heart. Think of the Apostle Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, who was dead set against the advancement of the gospel, and who was an eyewitness of Stephen's martyrdom, and Stephen's faithfulness to Christ and his forgiving and loving spirit. God subdued the Apostle Paul. God can subdue anyone. He subdued our hearts. He has developed this forgiving spirit within us. He can do it within others. So it's the the confidence, the hope of the Scriptures. Keep looking to the Scriptures as your source of authority for conduct. Not the psychiatrists. Not the people that tell you that no one can ever change. Not the people that tell you you have the right to vent. You have the right. It is your prerogative. You owe it to yourself. You know, uh, that's the best thing that you can do. Uh, Look out for number one. Meet your own needs first. Don't worry about other people. The only place you're going to get this is the scriptures. That's why it's so important for us. To be in the word of God. It's why it's so important for us day by day. To be fed. To be reinforced with the word of God. To renew us. In our commitment to Jesus Christ. And this hard lifestyle. So the first source of encouragement is the scriptures. The second source is God himself. Notice verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony. May God give you that ability. May God give you that strength. May God give you that endurance. May God be that encouragement for your heart. Okay? Trust in Him. I love Isaiah chapter 40. Where it talks about a natural strength. It talks about a natural endurance that of being young. And it says, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. I don't care what your personality is. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care what resources you have. I don't care how much you can muster up and by your own willpower say, I'm just going to grit my teeth and I'm going to do what's right. (laughs) Eventually, that's going to wear thin. Eventually, that's going to fail you. Eventually, you're going to come to an end of yourself, because we're talking about things that are supernatural and what they require. Only God can give us that ultimate encouragement that we give, because God can do something more than simply say, hang in there. You know, when we think about encouragement, we think about we, we experiencing encouragement from one another. What's... Missing in this text, if you will, is the encouragement that we receive from one another. There's nothing in here about encouraging one another. It's encouragement from the scriptures, and it's encouraging from from God. Why is that? Well, in the context, it's talking about Christians that are failing you. It's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ that you're having to put up with. It's talking about the very people that you would expect to be your encouragement are the source of your discouragement. We expect non-Christians to treat us a certain way, right? We're ready for that. We we know that's going to happen. But how much more discouraging is it when our fellow believers don't treat us the right way? You know, we, we think we're going to come to an oasis. We think we come to church and we're not going to have to put up with that garbage, right? That's not, we're, we're here. We're, we're with, with people of like precious faith. And then somebody says something nasty to us or somebody expresses a lack of appreciation or somebody finds fault with what we've done or somebody says, you know, you just didn't meet my need and you, you're insensitive and you're this and you're that. Wow, man, can that be Disabilitating. Man, can that just sap this strength and energy right from you? So it's not about receiving encouragement from one another. And even there, all we can do is be cheerleaders. You know, and it's great to have cheerleaders at a basketball game, but they can't empower strength when you're weary, <laughs> they can't make thirst go away. God can actually empower. God can actually strengthen. God can actually renew. God can actually minister to our hearts so that we are refreshed and we're ready to take on the next battle. We're ready to receive the next insult. We're ready to handle the next difficult problem because he has refreshed us. Lamentations says about God, his compassions are new every morning. They fail not. God never grows weary in forgiving us. God never gets to the point of not having compassion upon those who belong to him. God is able, each and every day, to take on our continued lack of unthankfulness, our continued wiping, complaining, our continued failing to give him the honor and the glory in which he deserves, And God, out of His love for us and a care for our spiritual well being and development, is able to bear with us. And He's able to impart that same kind of spirit to us so that our compassions can be renewed every day, so that our loving kindness does not fail. That's our ultimate hope and source of encouragement. And then lastly, the after effect of being a people pleaser. What's the outcome? Well first, the unity of the people of God. That together you may with one voice glorify the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we sang, Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Uh, Wesley was not asking for a thousand tongues in his own mouth. He wasn't asking that that God would give him a thousand tongues to sing. He was asking for 999 people joining with him. Wesley was asking for a spirit that would cause others to want to glorify God. The ultimate reason that we want unity in the church, the ultimate reason that we want peace is not for some humanistic oasis. It's because it is the most glorifying to God, for it represents the work of God. We're talking about what's hard. We're talking about relying upon God. So it brings glory to God when you do this, for it shows God at work in our hearts and lives. It is the most visible testimony to our being spiritually mature, is to put up with the garbage and misery that comes as a result of ministering even to our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the most Christ-like we can be. For the unity of God's people and the glory of God, verse 7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God that God might be honored, that his power might be shown, that our faithfulness to him might be realized, that our love for him overcomes any desire of being a people pleaser in a negative way. For ultimately, we are not looking for the praise of men, we're looking for the praise of God. And we want others to receive that same praise of God. For it brings him honor and glory. Therefore, therefore, we are to act and conduct ourselves in this way. Let's pray. Almighty God, I I pray for your help. I I pray for your encouragement. I pray for any who are gathered here this morning who are growing weary. Lord, I don't know the, the hearts and I don't know the experiences of everyone that is here this morning. But maybe they have encountered and experienced brothers or sisters in Christ that have been a source of great discouragement to them. Maybe they have done what is right and it's been not well received. Uh, maybe, Lord, people have been ministering and serving in this church for a long time and no one's expressed thanks. Nobody's expressed appreciation. In fact, people only find fault and wonder why this service wasn't done in a different way. Lord, give us a, a spirit of kindness in dealing with one another. Lord, mature us all so that we are not receivers but givers. Uh, Lord, help us uh, to be able to look beyond ourselves and see the needs of others to your glory. Uh, Renew us and refresh us. Uh, Lord, may your scriptures reign in our hearts for we know that we don't receive this kind of advice or counsel from the talk shows or, or from people that we work with if they're not... Christians and and oftentimes lord not even Christians provide good examples or good advice in these things for the advice usually is defend yourself stand up for yourself meet your own needs so lord give us the encouragement of the scriptures give us the encouragement of your spirit and i pray for anyone today that is just downhearted because they have been hurt by another Christian that is discouraged in their own walk with you. Lord, help them to be strong. Help them to be forgiving. Help them to be loving and to be kind. Lord, help them to go beyond what is able to be produced from their own personality or their own rational thinking or their own argument with themselves. And Lord, by a renewed spirit that only you can provide, may you grant healing. And may you cause them to be able to stand and to be able to continue to help others. Lord, give us strength. Help us to be the spiritually mature. Help us to be the leaders that you would have us to be. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.